Hello. Hello. Welcome to the School Bridge Podcast. I'm Piers. I'm Maggie. And today we have episode 13, where we're talking about the primacy recency effect. Yeah, what it is, why you should use it, and how to put it into your classroom. So I remember this was like the best PD that I had ever had. I don't know if you remember. The I prim- do. Yeah, the primacy recency PD. Yeah. Because it was the first brain science PD that I remember. Mm-hmm. And learning about how we remember, you know, the most at the beginning and then the second most at the end, the primacy recency effect, that was, that changed my teaching. Totally. The the things that happen in the middle are the hardest for us to remember. And I think that's oftentimes where a lot of a lesson happens. And so by knowing that and rearranging a couple of things, you can really use it to your advantage. Right. So yeah, defining the primacy recency effect, the primacy meaning the first thing that you hear or the first thing that you encounter, you're more likely to remember the best. Mm-hmm. And then the recency effect, whatever you learned last or whatever you learned most recently, you're most likely to remember second best. And then you forget in the middle or the third best remembering happens in the middle. Yeah, and this is true for all kinds of things, right? Like books and movies. You often remember the opening scene. You remember how it ended. But there are parts in the middle that can be a little bit murky. Um, or lists, like a grocery list, right? You often remember the first couple items you wrote down and then the last thing that you wrote down. And then in the middle, you're like, oh my gosh, what was that? Right, and this totally goes hand in hand with you know working memory research, how you kind of remember seven to nine things. This could be in three-hour movie or a 40-minute lesson or, yeah, a 12-item grocery list. Yeah. You're still going to remember the first things the best, the most recent things the second best, and then most of the forgetting happens in the middle. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, we're going to talk about how that affects your classroom, how it affects the kids, their memory, what you can do to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. But let's see the primacy recency effect in action. I got yeah. a list. Okay, let's try it. Okay, so I'm going to read 10 things from this list. Okay. And I want you to read them back to me once I'm finished. <sighs> okay, you're, I'm nervous. Okay, <laughs> these are 10 things. These are all four-letter words. Okay. Fish. Coat. Mall. Jack. Fill. Base. Duck. Plus. Bite. Dome. Okay. All right, which ones you got? <laughs> uh, fish, coat, jack. Um, oh my gosh, it's only 10 things. Mall, dome, um, plum? No, plum wasn't on the No, not quite. Close. Uh, I think that actually I might be tapping out. I was trying too hard to remember, and then I just kept repeating the first couple. So, yeah, the ones that you read back to me is you read the first one, the second one, the fourth one. Okay. The last one, and then I think the third one. So the first four and then the last one? Yeah, you got the first four and then the last one. So it was fish, coat, mall, jack. You got all those. Uh-huh. And then it was fill, base, duck, and plus. Oh, plus. And then bite and dome. Bite. Gosh, see, I don't even remember hearing bite. <laughs> when you were thinking about it, what what came to mind? Like, were it, was it easy to remember the first things and then the middle just dropped off? 100%. I, and I think part of it is that I was trying to repeat the list in my head to keep it going so I would remember. Yeah. And so you end up repeating the first things the most. Oh, I right? like that. Yeah. And then as I was repeating the first, it's like, that's why I don't even know if I heard you say bite. I don't remember bite on the list at all. Okay, gotcha. And that was smack <laughs> in the middle. Yeah. Wow, right. that's really funny. No, wait, bite was at the end. Sorry, bite, bite was, was towards at the, the end. end. Yeah. Okay, but I remember the last one. Wait, I'm nervous for my turn now. 
I didn't even do four letter words. This is just random. Oh, no. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Giraffe, towel, juice, glove, spoon, brush, carpet, lettuce, pumpkin, lamp. Oh, my God. I'm all over the place. <laughs> but I got giraffe and towel right away. Okay. Uh, lamp and goose. Is that one of them? <laughs> Was no. goose not one of them? <laughs> There's no goose. Uh, the thing is, I'm only confident about giraffe and towel now. Because okay. I was doing the same thing. I was repeating it back to myself. You know what's really funny? What's that? You got the first two and the very last one. Same. Same thing. Will you read it back? What was it? Giraffe, towel, juice. Juice, not goose. Juice. <laughs> well, the next one was glove. I wonder if your brain kind of combined those. So juice, glove, spoon, brush, carpet, lettuce, pumpkin, lamp. Oh, yeah. The middle was nowhere. <laughs> nowhere. And it's the same thing in a lesson. We're going to remember the beginning and the end. Right. And we were we are trying. We are grown, educated adults who are trying to remember this. Right. And we're having a hard time. Right. And so if we are having a hard time with this, it's safe to assume that our students are having a hard time, harder time remembering things in the middle of a lesson. Yeah. So we but we can now that we know it, we can hack our lessons so that we can take advantage of the primacy recency effect. Exactly. That's sort of the that's my why. It's like, if I know that this brain science exists, why wouldn't I use it to, like you said, like hack the lesson and just make learning a little bit easier? Right. And I got to give a shout out to my old coach who was reading the book, How the Brain Learns. Mm -hmm. And one of the chapters in there is about primacy recency. And it has the chart that shows, you know, the retention in the beginning and the retention at the end. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget the way that that graph looks. If you think about it, it's, like there's a mountain in the beginning of the graph mm -hmm. where retention is really high. And then you go straight down that ski slope towards the middle where the retention is really low. And then mm -hmm. at the end of class, it kind of climbs back up. And you remember the second most there at the end, the recency part of class. Yeah. Yeah. So the How the Brain Learns, great book. Yeah. I think it's also in NeuroTeach. NeuroTeach, which I just started and it's excellent. I think it's kind of just like the you know, it's the same idea of how the brain learns, but it's a little bit newer. They actually mention how the brain learns a couple times in the book. So again, just one of those brain science for teachers type of books. I think that makes teaching really fun when you start looking at it, you know, with a different brain science perspective yeah. and you start trying to say, all right, how can I piece my lessons together to take advantage of things that we already naturally do? Yes. And I think it at least for me, I feel like it can ease frustrations. If if something you're trying really hard to do something and it's just not working and then you're like, oh, wait a second. Hang on. There's actual brain data behind this. And then you learn about that and you use it to your advantage and some things can start clicking a little bit better. Right. Yeah. So let's get into, you know, how you're going to use it during class because I'm already yeah. thinking of all the things that I've done wrong in the past and the ways to replace those mistakes with the right things with the primacy recency effect in mind. Exactly. And so I think, well, we'll start with primacy, right? So getting into the most important pieces of your learning as soon as the lesson starts. So your key points, your your standard-driven learning targets, your vocab, and really hitting those as soon as you can when the lesson begins. Right. You got about 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a 40 minute or a 50 minute or a 90 minute lesson, those first 10 minutes are crucial. And I know we usually start with some kind of do now or bell work. Mm -hmm. 
that's got to finish pretty quickly so that you can take advantage of those those 10 minutes that you have to make sure that that primacy effect has the chance to, you know, sink in that new information. Exactly. And that your your warm-up work is meaningful, right? That it is either recapping really important information that's going to help them access that lesson or it's a primer that's again going to get them ready, but you know, we we really we don't want to do any busy work. We want to get to learning ASAP. Right. We're so bad about taking attendance in the beginning and then collecting homework, and then somebody comes in late, and you do a little recap. And or it's, I have to do announcements. Yeah, you have to do announcements. Yeah. Or you just kind of chill a little bit. You're like, "How was your weekend? What's going on?" Mm-hmm. And then you're not actually getting into the key new material until you know a couple minutes have really gone by. Right. And like. Sometimes we're we're starting the the delivery of that key information when retention is actually starting to dip. Right. So yeah, you got to hit those key points. You got to hit that technical vocab and start right away. Take advantage of the beginning of class and make sure that you're hammering in the the most important information for that class. Yeah. And I think you know we can't get rid of administrative tasks. You're going to have to take attendance. Yeah, we know that. There are certain things that, you know, of course, if we could wave a wand and make it go away, we would, but we can't. Um, But we can restructure some things in order to, you know, really prioritize and sort of keep sacred that first five to 15 minute chunk. Right. If you have to do those announcements or you have to take attendance or you want to collect the homework because you should. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we're tempted to collect the homework and then grade it right there on the spot Mm -hmm. and think, oh, this is really good. They're recalling what we did last time, but it's hard to make that new jump into the new material if you're doing that when retention is going down. Yeah. Save the administrative stuff for when retention is going to be low. Exactly. And so this can be, it sounds a little funky, but you can you can make it work. If you use that middle of class, have a brain break, and then at the end of your brain break, do those administrative tasks, tasks to sort of ease back in, sort of transition back into learning, back into the lesson. Okay, everybody, you know, go ahead and take your seats. Let's go ahead and do announcements, get your homework out. And then you can sort of feed into that second chunk of the lesson when retention starts peaking again. Right. You can kind of think about it like effortful retrieval. You're taking that break, you're stopping the content, and you're trying to make the kids recall what you were doing before the break. And you're trying to strengthen those connections in their brain, and they're making that effort to recall what they were previously doing. Yeah, it can be a win-win because you're you're protecting that that primacy effect, and you can be using that effortful retrieval to your advantage, right? Purposefully making them detach from the learning for a minute and then recall it again after their brains have taken a break from it. I keep thinking, if, if you have a really quick block, like the 40-minute block, you can still do this where you spend those first 10 minutes getting in the key new information. And then when the lulls start to come in and retention goes down, you you pause, you have a quick brain break, you go into the announcements or the attendance or the homework, and then you go back to rebuilding that memory. Yes. Yep. And then it's when you start, you know, you practice in that downtime too. You practice when the retention is going to be lower so that you're trying to set a good foundation, a good memory foundation, but you're not relying on that dip to have them learn the new information. That's exactly what I was just going to say, is is when that retention is low, that's when we should practice, right? That's when we should do the things that, that we have to do that don't fuel their learning and when we should give them time to practice. And I think if we feel like 
you know, I have to use every single moment in class for learning. You're probably trying to squeeze in too much that day. Oh, that's a good point. And that's, I mean, gosh, that's it, every teacher's right, it's issue, hard. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> we only, I think I only have 90 lessons or something. Yeah. And to have, you know, if you do standardized testing and you have to get that done by March, yeah. you really don't have that many lessons to get it done. But what can you do using the primacy recency effects to make sure that you're getting those key things in there? And that's that's the other question is, is you know, what is rigor? Right. And I, I mean, that's really just understanding something thoroughly. And so sometimes I found this after COVID when I had to shift my curriculum based on how my school was scheduling things and how often I was seeing kids and et cetera, et cetera. And I had to cut a lot of what I had been doing and going through that exercise of saying, oh, gosh, I love this lesson, but maybe it's not quite as important as this lesson because I do need to pick. Right. And I, I've sort of kept doing that, even though I see my kids way more often now. And that's been great for the primacy recency effect because I'm actually covering, I would say, slightly less material, but we're able to go into it deeper and and prioritize those deeper connections. Right. You're doing a good job with welcoming it, bringing the new information in in the beginning of class, mm -hmm. practicing in the middle, and then... It's what I struggle with is the synthesis at the end of the lesson yep. because I'm guilty of teaching right up to the bell. Mm -hmm. And it's hard because sometimes a kid will ask a great question and you go down that tangent. But I have to be a little bit better about making sure the end of class is a sacred time for synthesis and getting the mastery checks in earlier so that we have time to debrief it. And I can ask the kids to summarize what we've done that day to try and take advantage of that recency effect. That's exactly right. You know, if you're if we're going to give them the new information during that and use the primacy effect for the new information, we really should be using the recency effect for them to solidify and synthesize and and put it all together because I, I'm guilty of that too. You know, it's like a kid goes off on a tangent that's super worthwhile and they ask a question I'm like, oh my gosh, that's great. And then suddenly there's three minutes left and I'm like, do your exit ticket. Yeah. Here's the homework. See you tomorrow. Remember the dress code tomorrow, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I'm not using it to my full advantage very often. And sometimes it can be tough because as soon as they're done with the master checks, the kids start packing up mm -hmm. just because they think, you know, it feels like they're done. Yeah. And one thing that I'm going to work on is making sure that we we have the chance to synthesize it and even try to get a few other brain science things in there, like synthesize it through writing and then reteaching. Exactly. And making sure they see that connection from what they learned in the first part of class to what they're learning in the in the end. Yeah. And trying to hit hit practice in the middle. I know. I know. I actually did an exercise with myself last week when we were talking about better student responses and allowing synthesis and things like that. And I forced myself to stop the lesson with eight minutes left so that they had several minutes for the synthesis question. And then I had them do a, like a partner teach, like a reciprocal teach after they'd done the synthesis question. And it felt so much better, even though I had to cut some things from the lesson, it felt so much better to give them that that space to put it all together. And I really, I swear I saw more light bulbs going off. So can I ask you, yeah. if you're somebody who's using the five-step lesson plan or mm. the seven-step lesson plan, but a general gradual release, mm -hmm. how would you tweak that five-step lesson plan to take advantage of primacy recency? That's a good question. I actually, I think it has a lot going for it already. A gradual release lesson has a lot going for it in terms of primacy recency because 
the middle of the lesson should be that guided practice. Right. Ideally. Right. So I think the structure, I don't know if the structure itself would need tweaking. I think it's more so the other things that we add to it that maybe we shouldn't, right? Like the administrative things or teaching, not pacing ourselves as well as we should and teaching to the last moment. I think that's the most important piece on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I was thinking we we sort of already do the right things with a five-step lesson plan. Yeah. But sometimes we start with maybe the wrong things with with announcements or the homework collection or the attendance or the catching up with the kids. Right. Or getting supplies and material out. And then when you go into the intro to new material, you've already, you know, you're five, six, seven minutes in and you're not being you're not able to take advantage of that initial retention. Right. I think it's you just start with I and M and key points almost immediately. Yeah. And then yeah, you have that brain break maybe before you go into guided practice or between guided and independent. Exactly. Based on your your age group and the the time of your lesson. And then I was just thinking, I really wonder if the primacy recency effect is true for a unit as well. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. What do you, you mean? You know, like I feel like my kids always remember like the first two lessons of a unit, right? Where they're like, oh yeah, we looked at that map and we 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 looked at the pictures of the the river and blah, blah, blah. And then at the very end of the unit, right? And I, I swear when we get to review days, we're prepping for a test. In my head, some of the lessons that were like really engaging or really rigorous and that is super like grapple with it and they felt proud at the end. They're like, wait, what was that? Yeah. You know, the learning targets that were, yes, the learning targets that were in the middle of the unit, I swear they struggle to remember those more than the ones at the beginning and the end. Oh, mate, you're blowing my mind right now. (laughs) I've never even thought about the privacy recency effect in terms of a unit. Yeah. But you're probably totally right. Those first intro lessons to the unit, usually they're pretty engaging. True. They remember those. And then the most recent ones are your review or your catch up or your your close out of yeah. the whole unit. And yeah, what's happening in the middle? Yeah. You're totally right is trying to make sure we need these cycles where you spiral in what happens in the middle to make sure that you're trying to take advantage or you're trying to not take advantage, but just minimize the downside right. of the middle learning. Exactly. Like I think the primacy recency effect is true all the time, right? Like it, in a chunk of learning like we've been talking about, but also maybe even within each chunk, like within that first time of peak retention, is there a little bit of primacy recency, right? Even right. like in the middle of those 10 minutes, it does it dip a tiny bit? Especially when you got testing. Yeah. You know, you're going to remember the beginning of the year. It's really hard around the holidays. Exactly. Because that's the middle of it. Yeah. So I think it's true for a a lesson chunk, for a unit, and all year. You know, I mean, it might be, I'm sure that they remember things earlier in the year and then at the very end because it just happened. But that unit in January, you know. (laughs) Right. Well, which one? What what one? Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) They might have a harder time with that one. Uh, I love that, you know, our listeners listening are only going to remember the beginning and the end of this as well, too, (laughs) and the middle here. We can kind of riff, do whatever we want. It's forgotten. <laughs> That's a good point. No. Yeah, if you're going to make mistakes in a lesson, do it in the middle. Do it they in won't the remember. <laughs> no. All right. So I think we're kind of getting towards the end. We've talked about what it is. We've talked about how to use it. We touched on, of course, the why. Yeah. Primacy recency effect. It's it's understanding the brain science. And when you look at teaching like that, when you can take advantage of those hacks, 
it just makes lesson planning and teaching even more fun because you can think, how well did I do with the primacy recency effect today? Yeah. Oh, I know exactly what I'm going to do before I teach this to my next block mm -hmm. or how I'm going to before my new lesson tomorrow. It's like a puzzle, yeah. you know, and I it's true for ourselves as learners. I mean, we saw that with the lists we were doing and it's definitely true for our students. And and like you said, if we know that this science exists, it's cool to use it and, and use it to our advantage to help yeah. our kids learn better, you know? Teaching is that performance art, but you can do certain things to, you know, change up how you do it each day and try to maximize your efficiency. Yeah. And I think just my sort of parting thought on my love for the primacy recency effect is that you don't have to change what you're teaching. You don't have to overhaul your lesson plan structure. You don't have to attend a ton of PD to rethink the way that you do XYZ. It really is just changing up your pacing and the way that you order things. And you can do it immediately, not even the next day. You can do it the next period, you know? And I just think that's really cool. So we strongly, strongly recommend learning more about the primacy recency effect. Yeah. And I love that this is a shorter episode. I mean, let's just get it done. Let's get, I mean, let's not draw it out if we're, if we're done. I'm you, done. I'm done. You remember anything from my list? <gasps> Ooh. I think, wait, wait. I know that you had giraffe on yours and juice. Okay. Because I said goose before. Do you remember any others? Towel. Okay. I think we're the first three, giraffe, towel, and juice. You're right. And then God, the last one. I'm just guessing. <laughs> you had like chicken or turkey in there or something. I don't know. Pumpkin. Pumpkin. Are you thinking of Thanksgiving? <laughs> Lamp. There was pump. Yeah, I think it was pumpkin that I was mistaken on. Oh, gosh. Do I remember any? Okay. Um, Jack. Yeah. Dome. Yep. That was at the end. Yeah. Jack, dome, plus... Um. No, I'm it's funny that time. Jack and duck and plus are kind of in the middle. Started with fish and coat and mall. Okay. Wow. Oh, interesting. Yeah. My brain's that my working memory is is processing it right now. It's processing it. Okay. Effortful retrieval. Effortful retrieval. Now I'll definitely remember those. I had an upper hand because I was thinking about asking you that question for like the last three minutes, so I was cheating. Uh, that's a good question, though. All right. Anything else? No. Have a fantastic day. Thank you for listening. And um, let us know if there's any topics you want us to cover, or if you have any better ideas about primacy recency. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.